Blog Talk Radio. You are now listening to CLNS Radio, your source for all things basketball. You cannot stop this guy. This guy is unbelievable right now, and with the way he's playing, he's played an outstanding brand of basketball. You're trying to tell me he's not the next best thing? What are you hearing? Man, all I know is this guy can fall, and if you can come out and play with him, you can play with anybody in the league. I want your opinion. Call into the show. Why don't you drive the rack? Seriously, why don't people drive the rack more often? Fed up with this cookie-cutter brand of basketball, not go out and hand check. What are you comparing? The guy's got grit. The guy's got moxie, and the guy's got heart. What more do you want? Broadcast through Blog Talk Radio and CLNS Radio. They gonna love me for my ambition. Welcome to the Hooper's Log. Here's your host, Simo Buck. They gonna love me for my ambition. Welcome on into a Friday weekend preview edition of the Hooper's Log. Yes, it is Friday. Friday, Friday. It is a Friday here, November 20th. Yeah, we're already 20 days into the month of November. Think about that. It feels like yesterday that the NBA regular season began, and it feels like yesterday that we just had tip-off week and that we had just finished our previews. It's crazy how fast the season's already gone on. And last night, was one of those nights where we're going to be honest, we're really just going to be a we're really just going to be kind of like a post game show for this game for last night. This is the closest thing we'll see to a playoff game at this point in time of the year that you'll see in any sport. I mean, you talk about two teams last night that had agendas to just dominate one another in one way or another at certain points in the ball game. And the intensity was so ratcheted up that there was a point in time where I felt that this game was played in May. I actually felt like Marty McFly. Yes, it is back to the future year. And I felt like I was in some time in May. Because this was an intense basketball game. One of the best basketball games I've seen in a long time from many levels. The way both teams played, the the defense played on Steph Curry, which I know he scored 40 and he had a, he had the performance of the night, but all those points really came in the second half. The first half was interesting. We'll get into that game more. I don't want to dive too much into it because obviously we got a couple other games to get over and obviously some other things I want to get to in the world of sports. But, Andrew, what's up, man? We're here on a Friday. What's up? How you doing? What's up, Chris? Let's, uh, let's get this show underway, man. Yeah, this is one of those days where really we're just going to go over one game. Let's get it going. Let's get Kevin Hart on the line. Kevin, let's start this off. All right, all right, all right. We're going to learn today. Real quickly before we get to this game, Kings and Heat played last night. The Heat are now 7-4 and four after beating the Kings 116-109. to 109. Rajon Rondo flirted with another triple-double. He got a whiteboard-worthy performance. He had, a, I believe, a 59 on the whiteboard-worthy performance scale. He had 14 points, 9 rebounds. One rebound short of of his fourth triple-double, or fifth triple-double, I believe. 18 assists. That's insanity right there. Fifth, 18 assists is just insane. That all by itself got him on the whiteboard with the performance, but that's that game. Bucks and Cavs, obviously, as you know, this last weekend, 
uh, last weekend, not this weekend, but last weekend, the Bucks beat the Cavs in double overtime. LeBron made the crazy comments, and then he made more comments about his team not being hungry. All that Pamba Jamba Mumbo Jambo. And his team came out, and the score really, truly, was not indicative of what happened in this game. There was a point in time where the Cavaliers were up by 30, and they won by a 15, 115 to 100. LeBron, I get another ho-hum. Amazing. talk about though and this is the game we're going to talk about for the rest of the show uh and then we're going to quickly preview the weekend and then we'll move on warriors and clippers warriors win the ball game 124 to 117 first of all andrew is there anything you want to say about these two games before we talk about this game uh i mean i'll just go quick because i want to really get into the the, the warriors and clippers talk uh the bucks aren't the team they were last year uh, I think last year was more of a mirage than what their growth actually was. They can grow into the team they were last year, but they're not that quite yet. And then the Heat the heat just showed they're just an overall better team than the Kings. It was simple. They only won by seven, uh, but it was, it was a pretty easy seven-point win. So those two games were pretty simple. Cavs and Heat are both by far the better teams out of those two matchups. Uh, the one takeaway from the Bucks cavs game, other than, you know, LeBron going off and Kevin Love looking like his old self, was Giannis getting 33 points, which is awesome to see. Maybe the most potential right. in the entire NBA. So that that was cool. But, but other than that, I really just want to talk some Dubs clips. This game last night, again, if you'd like to call in, you're listening here on CLNS, the phone number, if you want to talk about this ball game, we would highly advise you come in and talk about it because – we only have two angles from this from both of us, and we'd like you to call, and the phone number is 323-642-1558. Also, if you call in, you'll get a free NBA 2K, yes, right before the holiday season, the best time to get the game because what else are you going to do? Are you going to go outside and do stuff? No, it's freezing cold. Go out and play basketball. By the way, if my phone cuts in and out for some reason in the Pacific Northwest, not that when it rains, but when it gets really, really cold, and it's not even that cold. It's like 40 degrees out. When it gets really cold at night, the the towers start to freeze, and my phone cell line starts to just poop out. So if I poop out, Andrew will take over, but it shouldn't be a problem, as obviously, as you can tell, I've lasted here for the first seven minutes of the show. But let's get into the show. Again, if you'd like to call in, 323-642-15. You're listening here on the Hooper's Log here through CLNS Radio, the FanDuel Studios. Call in, and we'll get you on the line. This game... I'm just going to say my take, and I'm going to let you go after that, Andrew. First of all, this game, I, I don't like Steph Curry. I never have. I, I have never really been a big fan of his, and recently with his actions, I haven't really still been a fan. But after last night, and I'm not going to come around and say that I have, I have, I have churned my cheek about Steph Curry. I haven't. But when it comes to this ball game last night, first of all, two white forward performances in the Golden State win, 124-117. Steph Curry, he went off, obviously, performance tonight, 40 points, 11 rebounds, which doggone it were mostly because the Clippers could not grab the ball and Steph Curry was below them. 40 points, 11 rebounds, 4 assists, 3 steals, 62. But the performance that's going to go unnoticed, I think this is going to be one of the more under, like people aren't going to know this performance at all this year. CP3. Chris Paul, 35 points, eight assists, four rebounds, and three steals. This guy was all over the basketball court. And, <clears throat> excuse me, the ability for him to guard Steph Curry the way he did early on in that ball game, I think has provided a blueprint 
you're not going to stop Steph Curry. You're going to be able to slow him down. I think what he did early on in that ball game is going to give that extra edge and that extra amount of 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 of, 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 of what's the word? I'm trying, I'm trying to think of the word. Uh, film of film and extra knowledge and other things of that nature on how to slow down Steph Curry. We saw last night in the first half, and they were mentioning it on the on the uh, on the TNT broadcast at halftime that they were wondering why hasn't anyone gone at Steph Curry sooner? Why hasn't anyone played up on him sooner in the defensive shot clock? Why why hasn't no one done that? And Chris Paul, obviously he was a uh, uh, all-NBA all defender last year, first or second team, I forget, but he was up there. And he showed last night, and when teams play them now, especially in a game like tonight, which we'll get to later on between the Bulls and Warriors, that – if anyone wants to defend this guy, you got to go through every single screen. You got to go over the top over every screen. You got to you got to literally body him at the three-point line and you have to sacrifice the fact that he's going to drive past you and get an easy layup if no one's there to help. That's what you have to do with this guy and he's going to and he showed let yesterday that he can find a way to sneak on through and get it. Now, the one good thing of stopping this guy, and you saw this in the game because he had seven turnovers yesterday, the one way to stop this guy, and, and they showed it, is, yes, he builds his game from the outside in. He goes from outside and he goes to in. And what Steph Curry did last night was you saw it multiple times. When, when Chris Paul was bodying him at the top of the key or the top of the three-point line, you saw a guy in Steph Curry try to do his little shimmy shake at the top and try and shoot. I think that this guy builds his confidence on his game from the outside, which doesn't shock me. He shoots the most threes in the game. But this guy, you could see the frustration that he could not get his outside jumper going from the standpoint of he wasn't open. He just wasn't. He never – every single shot he took from 18 feet out was contested. Every single one. Now, there's a couple where it was wide open. But for the most part, I'd say 80 to 90% of the shots he took from the outside, outside of 18 feet, were contested. And his, his field goal percentage was, was, was docked because of it. Obviously, he got into the lane a couple times. He made some plays. He got some assists here and there. But the guy is more outside presence than not. And you saw that last night. And, again, you're not going to shut him down but you're going to slow him down again. Six for 14 from three-pointer is unacceptable. You can't shoot 14 three-pointers in a ball game and think you're going to be successful. I mean, think about this. He made six three-pointers had seven turnovers. You got to grade Steph Curry on a different scale because this guy is great. He is. He's great. He's great. He won MVP. He's won, he's won a finals. But when you have six three-pointers made and seven turnovers, that's unacceptable. And yeah, he had 40 points, 11 rebounds, obviously an outstanding game, but Stats don't necessarily indicate really how he played. Most of those stats came in the second half. And let me break down the game real quick. Overall, just what happened. The Clippers were up by an enormous amount in this ballgame. I mean, there was a point in time where we were starting – I mean, I was – Andrew and I were texting each other during the game, and I was just sitting there. I was I was like – I was kind of feeling good. I was like sitting there like, ah. You know, like that, that, that gorilla off your back, like, Ah, this team is finally coming back to earth. All the crazy insanity people out there who think that Steph Curry's the greatest thing since Michael Jordan can shut their mouths because obviously the Clippers are way more talented everywhere than than the Golden State Warriors. But then what happened? And they said it during the broadcast multiple times, like Reggie Miller said, 
that you cannot get into a shootout with the Golden State Warriors. You can't. And the Clippers did. They got into a shootout with the Golden State Warriors. They started making adjustments on Blake Griffin, which credit to them because Blake Griffin still can't get through a double team for some reason on the outside part of the part of the perimeter. Chris Paul, his injury started to show up a little bit. He started getting a little gimpy. DeAndre Jordan, he, kudos to him. Five of eight from the free throw line. This guy knocked down his free throws when they started doing the hack of Jordan. They went away from that strategy. Uh, Paul Pierce struggled a little bit from the free. A lot of these little things that happened last night, you saw clip the Warriors start making their chip away. And if you heard at the end of the game, DeAndre Jordan started yelling, chip away, chip away, chip away, and they were doing that. And you saw this team come back in a manner where if you weren't a Golden State Warriors supporter, which I, I'm not, I don't like the Warriors because I think they're overrated too, but there's one thing they did last night, and that was play – an unbelievable way of coming back and putting their stamp of approval on how to come back in a basketball game the right way. This team was not outside heavy last night. Yeah, they obviously got into a shootout late, but that's the Clippers' fault for allowing that to occur. But this team overall made the moves and made the plays down the stretch where they became an impact that, honestly, the Clippers just could not find an answer. They couldn't. Draymond Green shot seven of nine from the field. And I'm going to give a lot of kudos to him for what he did last night because, again, stats don't indicate his performance. But if Draymond Green doesn't turn this team around, this team does not make the comeback against the Clippers. Because, again, they were up. The Clippers were up by an enormous amount early on in the ballgame. I mean, they were up big going into the fourth. They were up by six points going into the fourth quarter, I believe, something like that. And they were up big at halftime. They were up by like 20, 15 points at halftime, and everyone was saying, you know, finally that the, that the Golden State Warriors are this, and, this, and people were still ball-washing the Golden State Warriors, like, oh, yeah, this team is still, oh, my God, they can still come back. I'm like, man, where's all this love coming from? They're down by 15, and they've been down by more than that at the half. So it was interesting to see the reaction to this team as they were down, but to see them come back, it really kind of gave me an a presence of look. This team is proven to be no joke. And again, Reggie Miller said it on the broadcast too. It is like a cartoon character watching Steph Curry. This guy, when he's out on the outside, it's a joke. It is, it is laughable what he does. He does not make the smart basketball play, people. That's what, that's what Reggie Miller wanted to tell people the whole time. And Reggie Miller is one of the greatest shooters, if not top five shooters of all time. And he was saying what Steph Curry was doing is unbelievable. And he was laughing at it because, look, Steph Curry, some of the outside shots he took were just terrible quality shots. Terrible. They were terrible. Like, he was not open at all. But he kept forcing shots. They were going in somehow late in the game. Early on, obviously, they weren't going. But late in the game, they were, they were going in. And the guy was the guy was just – it was laughable because they kept going in. And, and considering that circumstance and hearing – Reggie Miller's take on that throughout the game, it made me recognize that people who like Steph Curry don't really understand. And not that they don't understand, they don't recognize that what he does is cartoonish and, and uncharacteristic of, a, of a, a quote-unquote, I would say, fundamental basketball player. Steph Curry's fundamental. He makes passes that are fundamental. Sometimes, obviously, he makes the flashy passes. He dribbles through the lane and dribble drives and, and, and goes one-on-one with players and things like that. He does things that are unorthodox and different. But when it comes to strictly shot selection, when he's isolated out on the perimeter, 
you talk about a guy in Steph Curry who makes some really poor decisions on the outside and shooting shots. There was one shot yesterday, I think it was in the third quarter early on, where he got he went off a screen. He was five feet from the three-point line, and there were two guys on him. And he thought, because he had a foot in front of the defender or behind the three-point line, he was a foot in front of him, that he could just pull up for three. And I'm sitting there thinking, hold on, hold, hold on, hold the phone. Hold the freaking phone. If LeBron James did this, people would rip him. If you had a guy in. Chris, you there? All right, it looks like we lost Chris, so I just want to kind of um, jump back on to the, the thought he was going with there. What he's saying is, you know, Steph Curry makes these crazy plays, these cartoon plays. Um, you know, if James Harden goes and makes these plays, regardless if they do or if they do not make it, uh, you know, it, if, if LeBron goes and makes these plays, they're getting ripped, they're getting criticized, and I think that's – He's kind of getting to the point of that's why we're not the biggest fans. Now, that's obviously not really a takeaway from this game. You guys don't care if we're the fans or not. But, I mean, this game just showed if you're a fan, if you're not a fan, if you hate the team, if you will take a bullet for this team, shows just how good this team really is. I mean, they were down. They allowed, what, 40-something points in the first quarter or near that. It was it was absurd. Um and, and and with that, you know, Steph Curry, sure, he started out slow, but he dominated when it mattered. Those technical free throws Steph Curry got really, really killed the Warriors. I mean, big time. And uh, Chris, Chris just texted me just to give you guys an update that his phone went out. Uh, his cell towers are ridiculous. <laughs> um, but, I mean, when you let Clay Thompson and Steph Curry get to the line 24 times, I don't know how you're going to win. What a lot of people don't understand is the way to beat this Warriors team isn't to go and score 120 points. It's to score 100 points, but do it at such high efficiency, you just need to slow the pace as much as possible. This is the best transition or fast-paced team offense in the history of the NBA. There has never been a better fast-paced offense in this team, and it's because broken plays, weird plays, anything, they have two three guys at least on the court that are going to be able to just make a spree because they're going to be there wide open. And, and this team does things that, that, uh, that nobody, nobody's ever seen before. Nobody's ever seen a guy average 12, three point attempts per game. Steph Curry is averaging 12, three point attempts per game. And it's for the better of his team. Sure. Like Chris said, it's, it's the cartoon. It's the, not the right basketball player. But when you're shooting 45% from three, your effective field goal percentage is much higher. An effective field goal percentage, or your, excuse me, your true shooting percentage is really the shooting percentage that matters. If a three-pointer is worth one and a half times what a normal basket is and, you know, three times what a free throw is, that should be, that should be in your, or your field goal percentage. That's why true shooting percentage is so so uh, so important to a guy like Steph Curry, where this these six three pointers and fourteen attempts is the same thing as making nine three pointers or nine normal shots and fourteen attempts. So you know, and twelve free throws, twelve for twelve. You you can't let and those those technical fouls really really kill them. 
uh, towards the end of the half. I think we have Chris back here. Chris, did I did I hear you back on the line? Yeah, yeah, I'm back here. Sorry, I, my rant. I, I did I did I cut out when I was starting to sound like a girl? Did I did I cut out there? Yeah, you kind of just went blank. What's the matter? Yeah, exactly. Good, good. Because that was that was my point about Steph Curry. Look what I can do. I mean, this guy again trying to do everything he can to bring his team back at a point when it was just stupid for some of the shot selections he was taking. But, again, my point when I wanted to finish it was to say, my point was this team made a comeback where they started playing fundamental basketball in the fourth quarter and they just wore down the Clippers, believe it or not. And that was an unbelievable way to play. I didn't quite hear your point, but uh, I heard you talking about uh, – I heard you talking about percentages – and whatnot um, on their on their shot selection. Can you fill me back in on what you said? Sorry. Yep, yep. Just discussing true shooting percentage mostly. Uh, and you know, you guys listening obviously just heard it, but you know, the the three pointers are so much more important than a normal shot. Free throws are are so important because they're shot at such a high percentage when they're these great shooters are out there. But the main takeaway from this game for me, and I, I feel like I say it every time there's a Warriors game, is yeah. that. Draymond Green is a top 10 most valuable player in the NBA. As much as I yeah. – you know, he might be my least favorite player in the NBA. You know, he averages 12 points, 7.1 assists, and 7.8 rebounds. But okay. those are the most – I mean, every time you see a momentum-shifting play or a play that gets the crowd on its feet or a broken play that works, Draymond Green is involved. You, yeah. I mean, I've never seen somebody uh, able to get so many just oops in the half-court offense. He, he'll drive the lane, and three guys will collapse on him, even though 75% of the time he's going to throw up the oop to Zeely or Bokit. Um, you know, and, and, and it's it's frustrating to watch because these NBA players should be able to guard him, but he must have a presence. The way he plays the game makes these players get off off the top of their game. Uh, I, on the Clipper side, Chris Paul looked like the point god again, which yes. which is awesome yeah. to see. But he he didn't have as great. He he should have saved the defense here in the first half for the second half. Um, I think so far the most underwhelming player in the entire NBA has been DeAndre Jordan. He's averaging ten points and twelve point six rebounds per game. Uh, that's coming down from, I believe, 12 points last year and 18 and a half rebounds. Those are numbers off the top of my head. Don't take them to grain of salt. Those aren't exact. Um, but I think he's been very disappointing. Again, the free throw shooting last night was great. I remember Coach Nick explained to us why he believed uh, he would shoot a higher percentage this year. And you could really see his hands being where they were in the practice video you could see on, on uh, B-Ball Breakdown's video. Uh, so if he's getting more comfortable with that, maybe these free throws will start falling for him. Uh, Jamal Crawford's shot selection was, was unacceptable last night. He went 6-for-16 six from the field, 1-of-7 from 3. That is not something you can do against Golden State. You have to move the ball. Uh, you you have to, absolutely have to take smart shots. The more dunks you get against Golden State, the more makes you get against Golden State, period. And not even from just a score perspective is is the best case scenario because if you can make when you miss your shot this team gets the rebound and they run right when you make your shot they'll they'll still try to run but this is when it comes to the half court offense this is a great team not a historical team offensively right so 
broken plays, fast breaks is what this Warriors team relies off of. You can't let it happen. You have to have your guy. You can't double team because then somebody's going to be open at the three-point line. So you have to make sure you do everything right the whole game. You can't score 40 points in the first quarter and then lose the game against anybody. Now, when right. you're playing a team like Golden State, whose confidence is already way up, and you know you start your team, who's supposed to be a championship contender, started six and four. This was when you get up, when you score forty points in the first, it turns into yes. a must-win game. You have to uh-huh. keep that lead. Now this team's six and five. Okay, they just lost a heartbreaker. This is the biggest comeback by any team in the NBA this year. No team was down more points and came back. Sure, it wasn't yep. the, exactly. the most amazing comeback because they chipped away for three quarters, but it was the biggest in Staples the entire Center. NBA. Yeah, in, in Staples Center, exactly. That's a great point. I mean, it's ridiculous. Uh, yeah. you, you know, with this Clippers team, and Doc Rivers is a great coach. I don't want to put my words wrong here. Right. But you are seeing some of the flaws he has as a coach that you didn't see when he had, you know, four great players. I mean, of course, you've got Paul, Griffin, and Jordan. But those guys, except for Paul, Griffin and Jordan are not as fundamentally sound as prime Pierce, prime Garnett, prime Ray Allen, and up-and-coming Rondo. Those are teams that can make up for flaws for ten players, let alone the one other player that's on the court with them. So you're starting to see these little flaws. Uh, The the complaining gets old, and – you know, this, uh, yeah. he knows, and this Clippers team know they have to be better. Yeah, that, that you're you made a good point about the complaining. Good lord, this, and, and and I think this was one of those games where really, and you said the flaws were 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 for both teams. Really, the flaws for both teams became apparent, and obviously, it's still early on in the year, and I think they're going to get hashed out, and I think everything's going to be okay. I honestly think this kind of game. If it doesn't turn around this Clipper team and give them a perspective of, look, we just played our rival and we couldn't beat them on our home court and they had to come back and beat us when they were down by 20. How could we not? How did we lose? You know, and the one thing that was brought to my attention, and this is something Charles Barkley and the TNT crew has been saying a lot that I've kind of been just kind of talk, looking at with the, with the shade of gray, kind of being like, all right, you know, whatever. You know, you guys know what you're talking about, but at the same time, these are superstar players. They're going to get over it. Blake Griffin is mentally weak. He is. Blake Griffin is a super star. Like, he is a beast. And he is a guy where if you ask someone to start your franchise with, you would not be hard-pressed to say Blake Griffin. You wouldn't. Problem is, is when he faces a double team or when he – and when it gets late in ball games and the team's down and things aren't going his way, he gets he gets whiny. Chris Paul gets whiny. But but and the point you made, which is outstanding, most fundamental player on the team, no doubt, no no questions asked. He is probably, if not one of the more fundamental, if not the most fundamental player in the NBA. And that's thanks I'm considering you got guys like LeBron James, you got guys that are out there who are better than Chris Paul, but who are more fundamental. But but Chris Paul with his size. He has to be fundamental, and he is to a T what you want your what you want any basketball player to become. See, that's the thing. That's the difference between why people say Chris Paul is a better player than Steph Curry, and people get offended because oh, he's not. He didn't win MVP. He didn't win a championship. He's not good in the clutch. People, if I had a child, if I had a five-year-old child who could dribble a basketball and could shoot a little bit, I would be like. Go watch Chris Paul videos and and go watch and I'm not talking go watch his like his his crazy you know 
shenanigans that he runs around the court doing. I'm talking about go watch his fundamentals because he is so fundamental at his size. He's six foot people. He is barely tall enough to compete with most guards in the NBA, and yet he still finds a way to play great defense on a guy like Steph Curry who can shoot the lights out. And so that's why when people say Chris Paul is better than Steph Curry, it's not to say that say he can shoot better than Steph Curry. He can shoot. But you saw last night, especially in the first half, you saw Chris Paul's jumper come alive. And when his jumper comes alive, it's a lot like Tony Parker to, to an extent. It, 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 they, become, they become really, really, really hard to, to guard. Because as you know, he's got, he's got Superman and Batman on, down low in the post. And, and, and again, those are guys that are really good players. They're not going to carry your team. And I've, I'm starting to see that with Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan. They're not going to carry your team on most nights. Tonight, you, last night, you saw a guy in Chris Paul carry this team. Real, really, though. He carried this team with his presence. And then, obviously, when he got hurt, when he wasn't playing as good as he was in the first half and the second half, you saw the team wilt because no one else wanted to step up. Who is, who's the leader on this team? I mean, I think it's Chris Paul. And with how he played and with the way he played and with how good he was, you saw it early on in the game that when he comes to play and comes to play with an intensity, which you saw in him on Steph Curry, you're going to see this team dominate. And you made another good point about Draymond Green. And, and here's my take on Draymond Green. Look, I get where you're coming from, and I get where a lot of people are coming from on the fact that Draymond Green can rub, maybe not rub you the wrong way, but that people don't like him because he's got this presence to him, but he doesn't look like he's fundamentally sound. Or he doesn't look great. He just, he kind of just is good because he's gotten better. And, the thing I like about Draymond Green, and I can relate to this from the standpoint of, look, when you coming into the NBA like he did, when he comes into the NBA and he's not polished at all, like he is a he is a project. Like, you know, if you were to buy a house and the house still has, like, walls missing and there's, like, no electrical system and you got to figure things, that was Draymond Green coming into the league. Draymond Green, and I said this before, day in and day out, has become more and more of a mansion than a project. He has become better and better. But yeah, and I don't think he's unbelievable. I think, as in from the standpoint of, is he a top, is he a top five player in his position? No. But is he in the top ten? Yeah. And reason being, he is one of the better forwards in the league is because he makes the fundamental passes. He makes the extra pass. He is always in the right spot, which is preparation. If you watch him on his rebounding, he always finds a way to try and get the edge. He's not always going to get it, and if you watch him away from the ball, you're going to see that he's not always going to get the edge, but he's always going to try and get the best angle to get the ball. There's, he, he takes little shortcuts on his, on his fundamentals to be in the right spot, to be where he needs to be, and that's the part where I give Draymond credit because let's be honest. He's not that talented. He's not. He's good. He's big. If he wasn't as big as he was, he wouldn't be as talented as he is. But he has made himself more useful for this team. And you brought up the perfect point about what this guy does. When this team gets into a rut, when Klay Thompson's not shooting well, when Steph Curry's turning the ball over, when things just aren't going their way, Draymond finds a way to stay in it, stay positive, keep the right attitude, keep the right uh, state of mind for the game, even when they're down by 13, 14 points. He kept finding a way to keep this team involved. Now, he wasn't unbelievably involved, but he was involved to the point where he was making the extra pass, being kind of a team leader to a degree, because as you can tell, Clay Thompson and Steph Curry, they're very emotional on the court. Uh, maybe not as much Clay Thompson, but more Steph Curry. But Draymond is a level head. Yeah, he's emotional, 
but he's a level head kind of like a guy like Russell Westbrook from an attitude perspective. He's emotional, but he stays level-headed. That's where Draymond Green becomes very, and as you said, a top 10 most valuable candidate because of that all by itself. This team is not 13-0 without Draymond Green. They're not. Because Steph Curry, and I've said this to multiple people outside of the radio industry and outside of Twitter and all that, I tell people, look, there are times where if you put Steph Curry in Portland and you put Damian Lillard in, 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 uh, in Golden State, Steph Curry, would not, Steph Curry would not carry that team. Damian Lillard could pretty much do the same thing Steph Curry's doing. And that's, and that's not to bash Steph Curry. That's just the facts. I mean, that team, in, that team in Golden State is just better than Portland. That's a fact. It doesn't matter who you put at the point guard position as long as it's a good point guard. He's going to fill in that role. You put CP3 in Golden State, they're still going to be a really good team. You put, you put uh, who else is out there? You put Trey Burke. I mean, not Trey Burke. That's a little bit extreme. But you put, you, put some, you put a guy that's an elite point guard at Steph Curry's spot and you replace Steph Curry with that player, I don't think that they do as well. Because you've got to factor in, and I said this, Draymond Green. Clay Thompson is a good defender and a pretty good shooting guard at that uh, offensively. And then you've got guys that are willing to muck it up in the middle of ball games, and that's where this team succeeds. Steph Curry is a definite spark plug for that when it comes to points, but when it comes to other facets of the game, that team finds a way to step up, and last night, man, they proved it. They proved it to me that when Steph Curry is struggling, at least when it comes to his overall game, not his shot, not his, not his, you know, ability, to, not his ability to get points, but his ability to really help his team, in the way that Draymond did, in the way that Clay Thompson, in the way that Andre Iguodala did, good Lord, Andre Iguodala was an impact in that game. When those guys aren't there, Steph Curry is kind of by himself. And you saw that prior to last year, um, when the year Kevin Durant won the MVP, 2013-2014, when they were hurt, when, they weren't do- when, when, when Steph Curry was hurt and not on the floor as much, and the year before that when Steph Curry wasn't on the floor, and they just, they just weren't me- 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 uh, meshing, per se, you saw that. You saw the issues they had. They don't have those issues anymore away from Steph Curry. Steph Curry can flourish and look better than I think he really is. I, I think Steph Curry is great, but I think he looks better on this team because he's given such an opportunity. Because when Draymond Green is open, he's scary out by himself. Clay Thompson is scary by himself. you got guys that are really good by themselves. Not great, but they're really good by themselves. And Steph Curry gets elevated to a level that people think, oh, he's better than Chris Paul. No, 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 stop it, stop it, please. I have read enough articles and, enough, and seen enough things where I, I am convinced Paul is a top 15 NBA all-time point guard from the standpoint of fundamentals, from the standpoint of assists, from the standpoint of triple-doubles, from the standpoint of leading his teams by himself in New Orleans or, or Charlotte or whatever they had back then when he was on the Hornets uh, or, you know, all that stuff. And I have proved I, – I have just – seen enough from Chris Paul. Steph Curry is in his seventh year, and he's finally come to the show. Chris Paul's been in the show since his rookie year, people. So when it comes to that conversation, Steph Curry gets elevated by his team because his team is really, really good. You don't go 13-0 because of Steph Curry. You go 13-0 because of guys like Draymond Green getting them out of ruts. You go 13-0 because you got guys off the bench who are willing to play like superstars, really, though, for like five, ten minutes of ball game. They do. They play great for five minutes of ball game and they play their role great. That's why this team is 13-0. and And in comebacks like you had last night, Steph Curry was just a part of that. The rest of the team is what really got them going. So that's what it comes to this game. Andrew, any more you got on this game before we, had, before we move on? Feel free. 
Yeah, I agree. I agree with most most of those points. Uh, I still had. I mean, you said top fifteen for Chris Paul all time. I'm thinking more top five all time point guards. Um, I mean, this, yeah. like I said, he's the point god. Uh, yeah. You know, Steph Curry. I I think personally is better than him right now in their current states. But you're right. not going to be discussing the greatest point guards of all time and put Steph Curry ahead of Chris Paul right now. That's next. Absolutely. You know, I, I get it. People are going to go, well, Steph has a title. Well, that's great. His team has a title. He has a ring. And he's got to prove he can do it for a decade. Okay? Two years, not three years, a decade. Um, yeah. But, you know, just uh, just something before we move on from around the basketball world. Looks like Timothy Mozgov got an MRI on his shoulder. He's out up to two weeks. Uh, so the Cavs are actually down to two healthy starters right now with only, obviously, their two of their best three potential starters. It's uh, Love and LeBron. But uh, Mozgov is out for anywhere up to two weeks. And Mo Williams is going to be out against, excuse me, their next game against the Hawks. So it'll be an interesting test for the, the Cavs to, coming up here. Yeah, that'll be a big time test between Cleveland and Atlanta this weekend. Uh, that'll be a, that'll be one of the key games of the weekend. Uh, we're gonna preview what's gonna happen this weekend. Obviously, we got college basketball this weekend. Uh, I mean, it's it, it's back, it's back. College basketball is back. Obviously, um, you know, the, college football is in its prime right now. We got NFL in its prime right now with with a lot of things going on. Sports world is just going crazy, but in the world of the NBA. There are some games you want to know about. A 24-game schedule in the NBA this weekend, um, and we got there's there's about three or four games that I would say you got to sit down and watch um, from multiple perspectives. The one game for tonight, and I think it's pretty obvious and pretty clear. You got Chicago and Golden State off an off a back-to-back night where the emotions ran high in LA. If if this Golden State Warrior team can win this game tonight against the Bulls. Uh, and if they win in convincing fashion, now if they barely win and they get a squeaker and they barely pull it out, I, I'd, I'd be reluctant to say it. But if they dominate the Bulls, like if they beat them by a lot, I might be I, I might be on the bandwagon of at least saying, look, this team might go 15 and 0. This team might go 20 and 0 to start the season because again, th- th- what they did last night was unprecedented in that comeback. I honestly think, in my heart of hearts, I think tonight that the Bulls get the win. I think the Bulls will end this streak tonight. There is no way with the second-best team in the Eastern Conference at 8-3 and three in the Chicago Bulls that they can't come in tonight with a day off, uh, you know, a solid rest. They just they just watched game in prime time on how to stop Steph Curry or slow him down, at least. They found a way to slow him down. You don't, you're not going to see him tell me that half. Jimmy Butler. Exactly, in the, in the first half. Right, right. But you're not going to sit here and tell me that they're not going to throw. I know D. Rose is – I think D. Rose is – he's not going to play against the Warriors. I just got that on my phone. But you're not going to sit here and tell me that Jimmy Butler is not going to guard Steph Curry the entire game and play him the way Chris Paul did the entire game. I think I think Jimmy Butler is going to play him as hard as he's ever played. Don't expect Jimmy Butler to score more than 20 points tonight. He is going to dedicate his entire game to guarding Steph Curry. And I think that's going to hinder them on offense. But I think they're going to grind it out enough where Paul Gasol, other guys like that, are going to find ways to, 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 get their, to get their points. Jimmy Butler is going to have a task tonight. And I think that they're going to come in on a, again, emotionally drained Warriors team. And I think they get the win. I think the Bulls will win tonight and they'll get it done. Uh, Andrew, what do you think from this game? And what about any other games on, on the schedule for Friday? It's, 
It's 11 games on Friday. Now, all right, everybody, hater alert, okay? Before I get your tweets or anything like that, call me a hater. I am, okay? I'm, I am a Warriors hater. Um, do I think the Bulls are going to win this one? No. Am I going to pick the Bulls to win this one? Yes. That's simply because I'm not picking the Warriors until they lose. Uh, problem being with this, for somebody who does not want them to start 16-0, 17-0, 18-0, they get past this Bulls team tonight. Their next three games are against the Lakers, Nuggets, and Suns. So right there, you're looking at a team that could really go 17-0. I mean, if they make it through this game, I don't, I don't see why not at all. I'm excited to see Andre Drummond versus Carl Anthony Towns tonight. That that should be a, a ton of fun. Um, I, you know, the the Timberwolves have looked ahead of schedule. They're five and five and seven, not great, but very good. Uh, you also are going to get to see at least. Hopefully they'll be on the court at the same time. Stanley Johnson and Andrew Wiggins. That should, you know, this this is just going to be a fun game. It's a league pass game. Obviously not for me. It's a local game, but around the country, people should really have their eyes on it. Um, there's not a whole lot of terribly close games. It'll be interesting to see how the Rockets come out uh, against the Grizzlies, and it'll also be very interesting to see how worn out the Clippers are after last night to take on the Trailblazers. Team can't fall to six and six. That's that's unacceptable. Uh, but you know, Friday Friday is a pretty, you know, there's a lot of games. There's not a lot of great matchups that we're going to see. So hopefully, we're going to see some close games. Yeah, I, I like a couple of matchups too. I like the Knicks in Oklahoma City. That's going to be fun to watch. Obviously, watching guys like Carmelo and uh, hopefully Kevin Durant comes back. I'm not sure if he will. Uh, but definitely watching Carmelo and Russell Westbrook, two of my favorite players. I like Carmelo because of his scoring, but I love Russell Westbrook, obviously. Clippers in Portland. I think I think the Portland Portland Trailblazers actually might win that game because they haven't won a game in two weeks. And I think they're going to finally come out and play that game, and they're going to win because the Clippers, again, emotionally drained from last night. They might get the victory there. It wouldn't shock me. Spurs and Pelicans is another nationally televised game. Obviously, I think the Spurs are going to win their 10th game. I don't know how you can't beat a team that has a banged-up Anthony Davis when you have – LaMarcus Aldridge and Kawhi Leonard and Tony Parker, who just came off a great game. And he just got a lot going on there. I think the Spurs get that one. And Houston and Memphis is good. Houston and Memphis is one of those games where they're going to be playing in Memphis. You talk about a game where I think Kevin McHale, his presence becomes an impact on them, him not being there. I think Memphis comes out and just destroys Houston tonight. I really do. I think Tony Allen's going to get up on James Harden and get under his skin. And I think Memphis is going to destroy Houston tonight. And I think it's going to be a wide-open eye factor or, a, you know, an eye-opening uh, thing for the Houston Rockets and say, oh, maybe we did need him. Because, again, I think the inmates run the asylum in Houston now. I think the players run everything there. I don't think that there is a, a legitimate case that the fact – and I think Houston's still great, but I, I just think that, that, that they have a weird mindset right there in Houston where they want to win, but do they really want to win? You know, that's the question. And I think they do, but I don't think it's as high as, as we think as we think it should be. Uh, Saturday, there are four games that you should watch. Memphis and San Antonio, that's going to be a good game. Knicks and Houston, again, Houston on a back-to-back, going from the Grizzlies to, uh, to back to Houston to play the Knicks. For all we know, the Knicks could come out and play an outstanding game. Washington and Detroit, I know you'll be watching that one, Andrew. That'll be an outstanding game. But game of the night on Saturday is Atlanta at Cleveland. That's the biggest game of the matchup. And then Sunday, my litmus test of the weekend, Toronto and the Clippers. That's a big-time matchup there. And then Dallas at Oklahoma City. Anything else, Andrew, before we uh, get into the final minute here? 
Um, yeah, the, the the Pistons Wizards game is gonna. I I hope, and I'm a, I'm a John Wall fan, but not when it comes to them playing the Pistons. I hope Reggie Jackson goes out and dominates him, and then I hope he says something in a press conference like, "Oh, did you know John Wall gets paid as much as me?" Because I don't know how many people remember. Uh, but John Wall back in early summer was talking about how he's shocked that Reggie Jackson gets paid as much as him, and the CBA is a joke. Well, Reggie yeah. Jackson outplayed you this year, John Wall. That I guess it's that simple. Um, you know, uh, Clippers and Raptors should be fun. Two teams that came very close to the Warriors, and then the depth test between the Cavs and Hawks is going to be, or on the Cavs against the Hawks is going to be uh, very interesting to see. I know I'll be watching that with very closely. And then, you know, let's go Nuggets, let's go Bulls, beat the Warriors. Yeah. Boy, I hope so. I hope those Golden State Warriors, uh, I hope they get some realism in them because these fans are getting out of control. They're getting to the point where they're starting to think, oh, man, we're like the Bulls from 96. Just stop. Please just stop. So hopefully that slows down here over the next uh, couple of days, and hopefully it ends tonight with that whole streak going on. All right, Andrew, we got about a minute left in the show. And uh, we'll be back on on Monday. Yeah, a short week next week, obviously, Thanksgiving week. We will be here Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. We will not be here Thursday. We will not be here on Friday. So expect Wednesday to be a large show. It'll be podcasted. Uh, We will be podcasting some of these shows here lately. Uh, We haven't done it as of late, obviously. Just been a lot going on in the NBA. Nothing too major. But I'll find a way to podcast one of those episodes next week. We're definitely looking at Wednesday. Thank you again for listening. Andrew, anything else before we go? As always, guys, thank you for listening, and uh, peace. All right, everybody, have an eventful weekend. Have a good time. Uh, Don't get too involved with the family yet, because you'll have plenty of time next weekend. Have a good weekend, everybody.